Hi, this is Heidi, and this is Parent Town, a podcast where we explore stories of parenting in hopes that they can connect us and maybe make the world a little easier to understand. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Parent Town. This is the final podcast in the series we have been doing on getting the sex talk or giving the sex talk. We'll hear from Mark, who shares his unique position and perspective as an educator for 18 years, who was also consistently responsible for, as he calls it, quote unquote, the puberty talk with fifth and sixth graders. Here's his story. So we've been doing this series on the sort of the sex talk, and I think that your perspective as a an educator and also as a dad, but the fact that you have spent a lot of your time as a teacher having this very unique job of teaching what would be considered sex ed. What did you say before? Growing and changing this yeah, one hour once a year. <laughs> Just the puberty talk. Let's cut to the chase. It's just a puberty talk. So I guess what I would love to hear from you is your experience and your your story. And I guess you've taught other places. I've taught 18 years in two different states, three different school elementary schools. That's right. Sixth grade teacher all those years. You've been a sixth grade teacher for that whole time. Well, no, I spent a couple years in third, one year in fourth. But other than that, it's always been fifth and sixth grade. Outside of three years. So, yeah, 15 years as a fifth grade or sixth grade teacher. How long have you had the job within your teaching? Were you like, I'll do that, sure. I'll teach. I'll do the sex ed. Uh, ever, great. You know, as a male in an elementary school, you're kind of a commodity, I guess, or, you know, you get tapped to do it. So can you elaborate on the program? I think when we were chatting earlier, you said that it's been pretty consistent, but it's usually like this one-hour once a year thing yeah. where in all three schools like you said one hour and it was usually in the springtime right before school got released and they usually bought a curriculum and i was never part of choosing a curriculum i don't know if someone higher up or the principal or the district somebody chose what it was it was usually sponsored by some sort of company like deodorant company because they would sell uh they'd give the kids deodorant and all these old packages with their products in it Oh, pack okay. packages and the videos like, and thanks everything. For coming. Yeah, yeah. I think mine was Julie's story, and they gave you a maxi pad on the way out. And well, that was surprising to me was that when I, as an adult, when I started teaching it, it really hadn't changed that much hmm. since the '80s, since when I saw in fifth grade. In fact, I would say it was even a little less detailed. Really. But what's your opinion about the curriculum? Like, what stuck with the kids and what areas did you think were not addressed that probably should have been? Well, especially with recent years, with uh, society being more comfortable talking about homosexuality and transgender, mm-hmm. kids in the last few years definitely have had more questions about those issues. And you don't think that the curriculum necessarily addressed that? Not at all. Not at all. Hmm. So I, I only know it from the boys' point of view. 
Mm-hmm. But it's very much like wash your face. You got to shower every day. You're going to start to smell, and then it's quickly like, and your testicles are going to produce this stuff, and they're going to have an erection. Here's a picture of an erection, and then it, the kids all moan, and then it moves on very quickly, and we just get going. And then you have the secret box where you put questions in, and you pull the questions out. But the last few years, it's been very interesting to see the questions the kids have had. The one that sticks out the most is back in early 2000s when I started teaching. And the guy who was training me said, people are going to ask for questions, but don't worry. The kids never want to ask questions. So they just sit there in shock, and we just move along. And so right <laughs> I'll get through that, it together. Yeah. We just, no one wants to be embarrassed, so don't worry about asking oh. questions. That sounds like a scary thing, but it won't be. And <laughs> right out of the gate, I said, does anyone have any questions? And the kid raises his hand and goes, my dad has dirty magazines, and sometimes I look at them without him knowing, and I play with myself. Is that okay? And I look over <laughs> at uh, <laughs> my supervisor, and he turned around in his chair looking at the wall, trying not to laugh. I'm like, oh. And he here we go. Easy. <laughs> and here we go. Yes, I remember questions about pornography have come up. Mm. And I, you know, especially with the Internet and my position, we've had one-to-one iPads, and the kids yeah. take them home. And they say, don't let the kids take them in the bedroom, but definitely, you know, we have mm. all these issues with kids looking at pornography. Absolutely. And I feel like that's something that school should talk about. Yeah. It never will. I'm surprised. It just feels like those are just common conversations that we're facing today, not only in society, but like as parents. And do you think that parents rely too much on schools to present this really huge and important topic to kids? You've had these kids in your classroom. Like, you've heard their questions. Like, you've seen what they wrote down in the secret box. Do you think that that's an added pressure on the schools these days as to, okay, we're going to talk about this for an hour, and then you're going to be fine, and parents kind of rely on that too much? I wouldn't say all parents. I I think there's a huge divide. I think there's a group of parents who don't want the school having anything to do with that conversation. We send home a letter weeks prior asking if they want their kids to take part in it, and I wouldn't say a lot, but there's always a handful of students whose parents request that we not talk about this stuff with them. And then, you know, there's another group of parents, I'm sure, that feel like, yeah, you guys should, you should probably do more and talk about more things, and it's okay, and we should be having these discussions. And then, you know, there's another group of parents that probably never even saw the note to opt out of the discussion and probably don't care or have any idea what's going on. I think the school district is just tiptoeing through the subject matter because you can't please everybody, and there's, whatever you do, there's going to be parents in the office complaining. You told them too much. You told them too little. There's yeah. just no pleasing all the parents, especially now. It seems like what parents want the school to do is completely divided. I'm sure there's going to be parents who are like, yep, do what you're doing. We could probably add more. Let's keep up with the times. Let's keep up with kids are learning and hearing from their friends. That curriculum right. should match what is out there. And like you said, like talk about being responsible on the internet and taking care of yourself and knowing how easy it is to find images that are really damaging and can be kind of traumatic. And, right. you know, I'm, I suppose it's all over the board. And then there's other parents who are like, you know, we're not going to talk about it at home. So that hour is good. Uh, show a picture of an erection moving on. Do you feel like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like you have such this unique position, not only as a teacher, but to be in a room of, probably really 
amazingly eager and confused and all over the board emotion fifth and sixth graders when it comes to this topic. Yeah. And like, what are some highlights? <laughs> I don't know what other word to use. <laughs> well, there was always like a tendency for every time that the erection drawing would come on television, something would happen where I'd have to pause the video or like the office would call in the intercom and say someone had to go home. One time the, uh, gifted and talented teacher demanded she came in my room and barged in and I said you have to leave and she goes I have to talk to these students and she came in and there it was on the television and the kids were all dying and she was dying yeah she wasn't a big fan of mine anyway so there you go yeah Oh, oh my God! So eventually, I just yeah, started pausing it on the drawing. I hit the pause button. I'm like, "All right, everybody, just laugh and get it out of your system." And they would yeah. laugh and laugh, and then we'd move on. And and every year was a little bit different. You get a group that would say nothing and would just sit there and not laugh and just be in horror. And it's kind of yeah. interesting when kids go through school together. They all kind of pick up this group personality or something because yeah. they would have different reactions in some groups would ask a lot of questions, like the group I just did uh, taught the lesson to in May. Man, they asked so many great questions. And I was leaving the school at that time and was training a staff member who was much younger. He's like 25-year-old and just started teaching and said, you know, I was handing the baton to him. And he commented that we're not doing enough. We're not talking about enough things based on the questions Mm -hmm. they have. Mm -hmm. But higher-ups have to decide what they're comfortable doing. And I just think Schools are yeah. so terrified of any form of controversy because it really does feel like parents are just looking for anything possible to be angry at their school about. Mm. Well, you're right. I mean, that's probably part of the the issue, and they're just sort of doing the bare basic, like you said, like kind of moving on. As a parent who has kids and who has a 12 year old, and you know, we talked about this in other podcast before, where just you have those conversations. It's like, well. How much should we as parents rely on the schools and how much do we take on our own? And it's pretty obvious to me that I don't really rely on the schools, but that's, I just sort of like, well, hey, it could be an added bonus, I guess, but the conversations I'm going to have are unique and I try and fill stuff in, but that's not necessarily everybody. And I understand where the schools have a tricky situation, but you're right. I just feel like maybe there's some curriculum that is missed that is pretty important. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you want to be honest with kids and really teach yeah. them so that they go out into the world knowing as an educator, kind of your job, but there are so many so many different parenting styles of people who certain things that they just don't want the kids to hear about or to discuss that mm-hmm. may seem like to another parent. Like for me, for example, with my own children, I discuss what homosexuality is and they understand how reproduction works in you know in right. the animal kingdom <laughs> and there's other people who don't even ever want to talk to their kids about that if they don't have to yeah so, absolutely and you can't you can't make everybody happy so Mm-mm. i'm sure it's the highlight of your job <laughs> yeah well <laughs> couldn't, couldn't wait to that one hour like, oh, <laughs> once a year always grown like i can't believe we have to have the puberty video this friday mr Grove. why are you doing this to us and i always say i'm not looking forward to it either <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Then we cram all the different classrooms. There'd be about 50 smelling boys in this one room, and, and oh every time God. something would go wrong, the video wouldn't hook up. It, it just, <laughs> you just feel the tension, oh, so you'd always have to break oh. it somehow. So another question I got was, and this was this year, said, like, do gay men have wet dreams? 
And um, one kid asked, well, like, what comes out from a wet dream? And another kid shouted, it's pee, it's just pee. And I remember hearing back in my grade school days that you had to pee inside of a woman <laughs> to get her pregnant. And then we had to explain, okay. well, no, it's not pee, it's semen. And, you know, and it just kind of ran away. And there's sure. a lot of kids out there with really bad information. And then there's a lot of kids out there with good information. And I don't know how schools do it because there's no pleasing everyone. But you had older brothers. I didn't have older sisters, but I had friends who had older sisters, and I yeah. feel like we got a, a lot of our information from just that. And I think I thought you could get pregnant by sitting in a hot tub with a boy probably until I was 14 years old. Absolutely. Or, like, oh you can goodness. wipe down the toilet for some reason. Like, semen could still be active. You know, so it was just like you get all this misinformation, but when you're not getting the good information, then you're going to, you're at that age where everything seems possible. And why wouldn't it? Oh, like nobody's telling me anything different. And so, honestly, I can totally see why somebody would think I got to pee into a woman to get her pregnant. Like, right. okay, that makes sense. Oh, my. I think I was like a sophomore in high school, and it was Halloween night. We're all dressed up, goofing around. And somehow it came out that I didn't understand that women had three different <laughs> holes and everyone was laughing at me that I thought the pee and the baby making part was the same thing. <laughs> and the like, no, there's a different spot for that. And everyone was making fun of me and I was just oh, no. horrified that I didn't know anything because there was a girl there that I liked and she was laughing at me too. And I really feel like it's everything traumatizing. I learned was from HBO and Cinemax. I don't really... I remember after I saw Tootsie, my mom explained homosexuality to me. I don't ever remember having a talk. My brothers have a story that my mom came in one day that they were both homesick and put these books and these pamphlets in front of them. And one brother remembered the other brother in his room screaming and throwing the book out of the room. <laughs> but I never had. You never got the book? I never had. I never got the book. I never got spoken to about it until they caught me having sex and they knew I was sexually active. And then they started telling me six months too late. The more people that I talk to about this subject, that seems to be a common thread of A, the book that like mysteriously shows up on your bed with like a post-it note that says, you know, let me know if you have any questions. And then that's it. Yeah. And then, of course, you're going to be, like, horrified and excited. And at the same time, and I don't know how many kids are going to feel comfortable going to their parents and asking questions. And then also this other component where you were just talking is, like, them finding out that you're having sex. And then, like, backpedaling and being like, whoa. But that just seems a little too late in one part. I feel like there could have been a conversation happening before the actual act about a lot of different things, not only about just sex in general, but about what that means and like taking care of yourself and taking care of your partner. I hope we're getting better. I don't know how we deal with the internet pornography aspect because that is so different from growing up. Mm -hmm. I remember friends no. stealing their dad's Playboy magazines and that seemed like the height of naughtiness and now. Yeah. And some of the things I've known students have seen on the internet is really disturbing and what they've collected on their hard drives that the school has yeah. found. It's, it's oh, you know, that things that slip through filters. Yeah, and it's someone me. needs to be talking with kids about this stuff, but there's always those reactionary parents that won't allow those conversations to happen. I don't know where we go with it. Yeah, it's yeah. scary to think about. As a parent, I'm scared to talk about it, but uh, you know, I'm not, not so much, I guess. It's like what you and I were talking about earlier. It's just that ongoing conversation. It doesn't have to be this one-time, like, sit-down, big, heavy deal. You right. can just sort of I'm be this. I'm going to unload all this 
When yeah, it comes up, you address it honestly and then yeah, take and a step forward. Yeah. And you've learned this from teaching that age range. Kids are kids will figure it out. And if you're not honest with them, then they will they'll figure out the truth and then they'll probably not trust you. The adults that I respected when I was a teenager were the ones that were honest with me. And it was maybe right. not the truth that I necessarily wanted to hear, but I'm like, Well at least thank you for respecting me enough to give me the truth and not thinking I couldn't somehow handle it or ask questions or have this conversation. But I think you do right. A disservice to that if you if you're not and it's uncomfortable yeah but you're okay but that's part of being a parent like aren't we uncomfortable most of the time I don't know I am right <laughs> yeah is it just me <laughs> well and I've never to my students or my own children I've never tried or my friends or anyone I've I've never tried to project myself as being infallible so yeah. I mean, people would see right through it. I'm very sad. <laughs> I don't know. What, I did get in trouble once over the years. One time we were talking about, well, well when do erections happen? And they're like, they can happen at any time. And we kind of got into a discussion about uh, inconvenient boners, like in the middle of class or something. And, mm-hmm. and the kid's like, what do you do if that happens? And I'm like, yeah, just put your trapper keeper in front of it and walk out of the room. Yeah. What's a trapper keeper? <laughs> so you wait, you got in trouble uh, for giving but, somebody the suggestion yeah. for putting a trapper keeper over their groin and walking out of the classroom? Right. Well, and then this mother came and complained about her son was talking about covering up, you know, your erection with your books and stuff. And she's like, what were they talking about? And I just said the question came up. And it's, it's a fact, you know, and my boss was great. He backed me up all the way and I said, yeah. no, I'm not going to. I'm going to ask a question. That is something that happens to boys. Absolutely. Especially at those times. You just like, oh, I remember my English teacher was very attractive, and I was like, oh, I hated Uh going to class. I'm like squirming for an hour. (laughs) I can't imagine. Oh, my God. That makes me like try to Think about the Golden Girls. Think about the Golden Girls. Oh, that's funny. But then you have to think about Blanche, and she was kind of a little yeah. promiscuous. Oh, she was a little older lady. Right? She, she was a little. She was a little. Did you want anybody but Blanche? Booming Dorothy, granny. Dorothy. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Well, thank you, dear. It was good to talk to you, and thanks for sharing your story and for what you've done as an educator and also as a parent. All right. So, all right. Oh, we'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening. Please check out our website at www.parent-town.com. Like us and share the podcast on our Facebook site. We really, really appreciate that. You can listen to us where you listen to all your podcasts under Parent Town Podcast. If you have an idea for a show, we would love to hear from you, so don't be shy. As always, thank you to my co-producer, Greg, who is also sound expert extraordinaire, and to Park States for letting us use their amazing music. Again, thank you for listening. I'm Heidi, and this is Parent Town.